This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 157, sponsored by Witchblade from Funimation, In Stock Trades, and Netflix. Here on these cliffs of Dover, so high you can't see over, and while your head is spinning, hold tight, it's just beginning. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 157. I am Josh, and I am here with Ron. Hello! And, of course, that's Connor. Hello! 
Hi, Connor. iFanboy.com is a website that we made because we really like comic books, and every week we read a bunch of them. One of us has the job of picking the best one and writing about it on the website. That would be their pick of the week review, and then we talk about it here on the podcast along with all the other books from the week that we want to talk about and other stuff that we can think of. Wizard. We should probably mention that we are uh, doing an experiment in broadcasting this podcast uh, as we record it live on Ustream.tv as an experiment. Um, we might do it uh, more so. You go to ifanboy.com and see if we're going to do this again. So, we'll Or follow us on Twitter, yeah. twitter.com slash ifanboy. That's a good way to know. Twitter's probably the best way. That's where we're going to actually. Yeah, we'll announce it on Twitter. Because so. it, it could be spur of the moment. You never know. Anyway, uh, like before. Spur of the hour. Yeah. Before we get going, uh, we are going to talk about the books from this week. So that means there could be spoilers if you have not read your books, and we wouldn't want to ruin them for you, except for these poor people who are listening live. And well, okay. Hey, that's their, their own risk. That's their own chance. They're going to get spoiled. Should should have should have read faster. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm saying. But otherwise, pause it. Come back later. Finish your books. Enjoy them. Uh, this week, Connor has the pick, uh, despite what this script says. Damn, it's the one mistake. There's always the one script always mistake. The one mistake. Was, There's always one. Always one. Um, I have the pick of the week, and it was Battlefields, The Night Witches, number one, from Garth Ennis and uh, Russ Braun from Dynamite. This is Garth Ennis's uh, return to the war comics, which, which is exciting, I know, for me, and I know for Josh as well. So am I correct, Josh? Very much so. Although I understand, I understand return to war comics. I feel like Garth Ennis has had a war comic pretty much consistently out for the past like a year or two. Well, when we no, no, he did he did him for a while, and then when we talked to him, did he do know, that one with Chaykin just now? Yeah, I guess. But yeah, but that was a, he he had a war he under Vertigo. Had, he had a he had a series. Well, he's always trying to do them because yeah. he, that's his favorite thing to write. So he always works them into his jobs. He works them in at Marvel. But when he was writing them for Vertigo in the early part of the two thousands, he was. Oh, but he had a series called War Stories, and that was what he put out, a series of minis called War Stories. And that ended because no one bought them but Josh and I. And now he, with Dynamite, he's got a series called Battlefields. It's basically the same thing. He's going to do a series of minis taking place in World War II uh, under the Battlefields banner. So it's the same sort of deal he had with Vertigo, but now it's with Dynamite. So this is what... It's the return of these, this set. With, with, with his Marvel books, they, he, did, he did Fury, which was a story about Nick Fury in World War II, and he did the, the Phantom Eagle story. But Battlefields is like is like war stories in that these are based on actual events or actual people. So these are true stories. Okay. Right. That's so that's, that's that's the that's the main difference. These are, these are heavily researched, and 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 his, this is like his milieu. This is you can tell he really loves this. And what Battlefields, what what the first one is Night Watch, uh, not Watch, Night Witches, is a story of a Russian regiment of female bombers. And this is something I had never heard of before, but I looked it up after reading this comic, and, and there was this actual regiment called the Night, Night Witches, and they were women bombers, and they were put together because, A, the Russians were getting slaughtered by the Germans, and they were, they didn't have, they were running, out of, running out of people, and B, because the whole communist ideal was that everyone was equal, so why couldn't women be bombers? And that didn't really fly with the male bombers, but that was what they needed to do, that's what the army needed, so they brought these women in. And this is the beginning of that, and this, in the very beginning of the story, we have the women coming into their base and getting their orders. And then the co- commanders don't like them because they're women. The men are just treating them as sex objects, all, albeit from afar. They're housed in an old barn that's, you know, it's basically a barn. They're not living in barracks. They're living in a barn where cows used to live. And then they're given these old propeller planes to fly, whereas the men have new planes. These they're, women have old antique planes. They're biplanes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they got that going for them. Sorry. Yeah, so... <laughs> 
that's I mean that's that's that is I mean that's it. It's laughable. They're given these old antique biplanes to to bomb the Germans with. I went in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the mature way. And then they uh, so they go on their first mission, and the, these propeller planes are heard from miles and miles and miles away because they're so freaking loud. So the Germans, of course, light them up with their anti aircraft as soon as they get there, and they get you know one plane is destroyed in the air, one plane gets away. They're dropping their bombs nowhere near the, near the target, and if the third plane crashes, and that's that's basically our first mission is this first issue, and and parallel to that is this this regiment of Germans or unit of Germans invading. Uh, does, it, does it say where, Josh? Where th- they uh, are at this point? They're just I, I assume that they're no, I don't know if they did. I didn't catch it, but yeah. Well, they're in Russia. They're they're, in they've Russia. made it. They're in they're in Russia somewhere, and they're so you got this parallel story between these Germans who are. Uh, attacking and just, you get some brutal hand-to-hand combat with the Russians and the Germans because one of them they fall through a, f- a rickety floor onto a, onto some Russians and they, so they're all t- mixed together and, and amongst the rubble and they just start fighting hand-to-hand. And, and, and that that page when you turn the page, like literally the first thing you see is a dude stabbing another dude in the face. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean to say it like like if I said stabbing a dude in the face and I was talking about preacher, you would think it was kind of funny. But it, it's, this is not fun. It's, it's perfect. No, it's not. It's really awful. But but like, and you think, well, is is, is it being, uh, you know, like uh, amped up for for the entertainment? It's not. Like you think, shit. This probably is what would happen: stabbing a dude in the face. That's really and horrible. Garth Ennis has a lot of you know reputation for his, his horrific violence and and vulgarity and stuff. But this is very realistic in that. It's it was so, it's sort of celebrated in his other works. I mean, it's not like he glorifies, but it, there's sort of a comic element to it. Whereas here, this is just this is war, and war is horrible. Mm-hmm. And getting shot is horrible, and having to stab a dude in the face is horrible, and and all this stuff is horrible. And so that's paralleled with these women who are actually very plucky. Yeah. In the beginning, they're very they 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 they're very proud to be in the army. They really want to do well for Mother Russia, and they they're very excited. They're not you know. They take everything they get and they make the best out of it. They take their horrible conditions and they, they, they deal with that. And they take their old planes and they deal with that. And and then they go on their mission and that's when things go horribly wrong. So much to the point where the plane that crashes, the Germans go out to to capture their prisoners and they discover their women. So there's that moment of horror where you realize this is this is bad. This is not the normal kind of prisoner. And I think there's that moment for them too when they realize the rest of their short lives are about to be spent being raped by German prisoners soldiers so the women shoot each shoots one of she shoots one and kills herself so they, they can't be taken alive and it's very it's very rough it's very hard for the look on ron's face says i don't i don't want anything to do with this <laughs> I, I, it's, I didn't even know this came out and so like that when i saw it was the pick of the week i was generally surprised because i thought it was going to be another book uh that was more colorful but um um but who did the art on it uh, russ Braun. a guy named Russ Braun, who's very similar to Derek Robertson. What's That's funny, when you say that, is when I was reading through it, I actually saw shades of, of Steve Dillon. Like, there were a couple... He's, of, he's similar to both, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, let's find the two artists we know this guy works with and, yeah. and no, but it's just hold this new artist true. to one of them. <laughs> there is a, there's a panel in right here where the sort of male head of this female uh, group of pilots is, is talking to the soldiers, and he's talking to one of the soldiers, and she says something to him, and he like takes a beat to size her up. Um, this is on like the third page, Connor, or yeah, page. I see it. Uh, and, and like that is the most Steve Dillon page I've ever I've, panel I've seen since Steve Dillon. Like he just kind of glares at Ooh, her. That's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah. Um, it's 
I loved the art in this book, and that was the one thing that I I I think that's one of the reasons I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it because, you know, I've seen the work that he's done for Avatar and some stuff and some other things, and he doesn't get the best artists always when he's working on other projects, at least compared to what we're used to seeing from him. Dynamite's different. Dynamite actually doesn't have that stable like Avatar does, where all the guys look draw the same. Yeah, Dynamite actually does a good job of getting guys who are good for their like you know with with Lone Ranger and Zoro they have artists who are good for those styles and this well, is a, this is guys great for for well, the, style. the point being like I I was surprised in a very good way with that, with how cool and how good the art was the art was fantastic yeah, the um, art was fantastic and he does you and you can tell I mean this is heavily researched he he does a good job of, of making you feel and the one thing that we talked about and, and Josh wrote a piece about this on ifanboy.com was that Garth Ennis is really good at characters really good at making you um, really get to know people quickly and I felt like even though we don't get a lot of character stuff with these people, mm-hmm. you still really felt like you, you had some sort of connection with the women before, and you don't, there's only a few pages with them really where they talk, because a lot of it is, is, is the dog fighting. <laughs> I was going to make a bad joke. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rush right past that. Um, one of the other things that I really <laughs> liked about the artist in this one, um, I don't, I can't, tell me if you noticed this, but as you're going through it, did you notice that all of, all of the characters had distinct faces? Like, they do. which is which is not something a lot of dudes do, and a lot of people will give one or two of the people distinct faces. I was really making note to see like all of the females had different faces and heights and body shapes, and like they were all over the map, and I and all the Germans looked different than one another, in in like like real faces. You know, there was a it was lot especially of- important to the Germans because they're all in uniform, mm-hmm. so they're all basically dressed the same, and you could definitely tell all the guys apart. Actually, there's interesting the second page of this comic. Is this heroic shot of the German army going over the uh, the line, in the trench they're in, and sort of invading? And it's funny because I thought I saw it, and it kind of took me. Took, I was taken aback a bit because you hardly ever see this heroic pose of the Germans. Yeah, you know they're never shown as the heroes, and they're not the heroes here, but they're shown in a heroic light. I mean, it, this this shot of them is is like mm-hmm. we're going into the breach, you know. And it was very odd to see that sort of thing with the with the German army, but. Um, you can tell that it's the love on this page. I mean, this is, this is one of those... We talked to him. We know. When we interviewed him, we talked to him about the war stories, and you could tell... He lit up when this he is talked he, about that. And he, he was, really like, sad that they, And he was kind of sad that they didn't sell, you know? Like, oh. I, I will say... And that's this, why they keep popping up in all of his works. He, yeah. That's why war is a theme in all of his books, because he really... He finds it interesting. He, he, likes this, he likes to research these things, and he finds these little stories, and he likes to tell them. That's what he loves. The second that I finished this... It was sort of early in the day on Wednesday. I I made sure to send a Twitter to be like, if you didn't remember to, pick this up. Because... You know what's so funny is that I saw that Twitter oh. and then I forgot. And <laughs> so it was kind of before I went shopping, and I was like, okay, I got to remember to bring it, and I and I forgot. So I'm sorry. And, and it was sort of early in middle of the packs of the pack of books, and I was like, wow, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I was kind of like, and so, Con, you got the pickup pretty late, and. Uh, yeah. I was really happy to see it, and I was like, yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. That was, it sort of colored everything I read after it. Oh, totally. And I'm, I'm really glad it's here, and I'm glad we're going to see uh, this. I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes. I know that, I know this is sort of a spoiler for the rest of the series, but uh, the whole idea of, you know, they're, they're unsuccessful because their ships, are, their, their planes are so loud, so what they're end up going to do is they're going to, end up gliding into the German territory. They're going to fly really high and turn off their engines and glide in and drop their bombs so the Germans can't hear them. That's the sort of the ingenuity of these, these women. And that's how they become known as the Night, the night Witches. Yeah, that's a great name. That's a great name. In Russia, plane bombs you. <laughs> <laughs> you made a Yakov joke. <laughs> is, 
that where that comes from? Yeah, Yakov Smirnov. That's good. I thought that in was just Russia, an internet name yeah. at this point. Yeah, no, no, it's in, no, it's no, that's Yakov. The Russia thing. There was actually another book this week where where the term Ivan was used. In really? Night witches. Night witches. They they referred to as the Ivans by the German army, and then in Captain America: Theater of War, Operation Zero Point, number one, which is just a special. Uh, it's it's like Steve Rogers' story in World War II, and the Ivans are referred to. Uh, the Russians are referred to as Ivans in that book as well. Really? Um, he I'm used sure, a lot Josh, of, did you? I, yeah, I read it. Uh, he, he he used a lot of sort of colloquial stuff in the beginning. In fact, so yeah. much I kind of noticed it. I was. I was looking forward to this book, sort of. Um, this is Daniel and Charles Knopf, the guys who did the Iron Man series that we liked. Yep. They wrote the uh, Iron Man story we liked, and then written, drawn by Mitch Breitweiser, who drew the Captain America, Mac, not Max book, the uh, Marvel Knights book that came out a little mm-hmm. while ago. Um, I kind of liked this book. I, I liked the setup. I liked the idea. I thought the art was fantastic. I didn't... I was, is this ultimate Cap? Like, the, the character of Cap seemed a bit off to me. It was all told through his head, like, in his uh, his narration, and it just didn't feel quite right. I really liked it. I gave it five out of five. I thought what they did really well was they showed a 40s Cap, mm-hmm. in that the re- he, he wasn't like the Cap. You know, this is, I mean, this is Marvel Universe Cap. This is not ultimate Cap. It was the... The Cap we know has been filtered through the modern times. He's he's had however many years to have a modern sensibility, but this is how a Cap would have been back then. And I liked the, I liked all the old colloquialisms, and I liked how the attitudes, and I liked all that stuff. I thought it really felt like an old '40s movie in that he felt authentic in that. And I really, you know, I like Bucky. I, mm-hmm. I re- you know, Bucky's the story's good, but I miss Steve Rogers, and this sort of reminded me that I miss Steve Rogers. I don't know. I just I just it didn't feel I, I and. This was kind of early in the war, so I didn't know if he had, I don't know, if he'd earned that sort of cockiness yet or whatever. I, I, yeah, I'm actually, from, for me, I'm coming from a slightly odd place because I've been working on a little Captain America story from that time, and they wrote him completely differently than I did. So, <laughs> like, just as, as, a, as a practice thing, I've been writing this story, and like his Captain America is completely different than mine. And I was just like, this isn't right at all, but I guess that's not really a valid complaint. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because the the question of a character's voice. Uh, somebody was asking me the other day about the voice, like, um, uh, what was it? Race McCloud from the forums. He sent me that story, that X Men story he wrote, and he's asked me if I got if he got the Hank McCoy and Xavier voices right. And I was like, I, I'm not a writer. I don't know. Um, but it's that idea of that, you know, like, is this the character written in the way that he would and what we would expect? You know, so. Well, they write him very much in the in a forty style. Plus, he's also a Lower East Side kid, so he write him with that sort of Lower East Side cockiness, which I really liked. You know, at one point he's wondering did the the super soldier serum make him really smart and and good at tactics, or was it because he's from the Lower East Side and he's a survivor? And I really liked that portion of it because he would be kind of cocky. He was a New Yorker. Yeah, that's totally a character for that time period. Yeah, I don't know. He would have I, a he would have a thick accent, and he would he would be like one of those guys in the old war movies. Totally. See, you know, I, no, I saw him as a guy who was he was like a little skinny artist kid who wasn't good enough to get into the army, and so at a certain point you still think he'd be kind of tentative. It's not like you immediately drop into the oh I'm a big strong tough guy now because before that he was, you know. Yeah, but he's not. And if he's from if he's from the 1940s Lower East Side, he'd have to be somewhat tough. Even if he's just mental, he'd have to be to survive that neighborhood. Delancey Street. I mean, even if he's a weakling, he'd have to have mental toughness to be able to survive as a weakling in the neighborhood. So he'd have to have some sort of mental acuity in that sense. Right. 
I mean, oh. people forget that he's a Lower East Side kid. He's not like from Kansas or whatever. He, you yeah, know, I like he's forget that. Either he's way, he's a New Yorker. Is, my story is going to have to be thrown out now. <laughs> but um, this book had uh, was in common for me at least with Battlefields, and that I didn't even know it came out. So, <laughs> did you go to the store this week? <laughs> yeah, I did. The funny thing, I'm looking at the rundown. I'm like, oh, I didn't read that one. I didn't read that one. I'm like, so I'm just gonna watch. All right, let's like, you read Hellboy. Like all, the U- like all the U streamers, I'm gonna sit back and watch you guys talk about Hellboy. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't buy Hellboy either. No, I didn't buy. I don't buy. I don't know, I read Hellboy. I read Hellboy in collections. Yeah, but this, this is a special one issue that that Mike McNilla drew for the first time in like two years. He hasn't drawn Hellboy. It's been a rough week. <laughs> I'll go back. I'll go back and check it out. Tell me about it. Uh, I also gave this. Yeah, this was like a classic uh, Hellboy story. Um, he goes to some small town. There's some shit going down. He sees the monster. He says, "Oh crap!" <laughs> solves the mystery. Is there like a formula now to Hellboy? There kind of is. Yeah, mm, there kind of. That's is. sad. That's uh, no, good. but that's the way that it, it's been all through it. It's but it, what's funny is that the voice and tone of it felt so right as opposed to. Some of the other ones, which are enjoyable, but they didn't feel entirely comfortable in going back. And it's like, especially after seeing the Hellboy movie this summer, and then seeing the Richard Corbin uh, Hellboy story that was the last one out. Like, this was well, like, did, oh, that's right, that's perfect. I mean, yeah, Mignola wrote the Corbin one, right? Yeah, but it's you know, it's a it's a visual uh, storytelling. The melding of the two. You, I, I've been reading BPRD. I've been trying to catch up on those trades and reading other stuff, and you forget how special it is when he does both mm-hmm. yeah the, the pacing is perfect i mean the the ill crap happened but it happened over the course of two pages so you, you it was a nice little twist on it oh crap oh and then he says crap when you turn the page so it's yeah. like it's kind of subverting you're expecting the oh crap you, you know what the oh crap is the oh crap is are you having a laugh like the oh crap is his catchphrase well yeah we know that but yeah but i mean there's a lot of little funny bits in this and it's just it was just perfectly John Hellboy. I mean, he's very he's he's an enjoyable character, and I think that's that's the really the, the main thing. The art is just beautiful. There's something that, and and I think it's I don't know if it has to do with sort of the he's got like really no shoulders the way that Mignola draws him, which makes mm-hmm. him really unassuming and low key. You, you you see what I'm saying? Like he just kind of stands there and he doesn't. It's seem sl- like, like there's a slope, right? Yeah. yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. It just it it takes the edge off of him i think a little bit when he's not in action you kind of it 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 numbs you a little bit for so when that he does jump into action you you feel like he's much more you know like it surprises you a little more i guess because he's just so like, not the bruiser that he's portrayed by other people like he's not this huge hulking dude yeah, right. yeah exactly. and i guess maybe that makes sense with the because you know, didn't ron perlman look a little more dim- diminished in the last movie uh i don't know did he yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm wondering if if they're making adjustments in the movie to Mignola's vision of what he looks. I don't know. Just, uh, I don't think that's. I think he's just no. Perlman was short. They didn't make him eight feet tall. He's just a yeah. normal size. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's a special quality to it when he does the art. Yeah. It was good. I, th- I mean, it was funny. Was at one point though, I was looking at the pages and I saw Hellboy in three different panels, and he was in the exact same pose in the exact same position and shot three different ways, and I was kind of like, wow. This doesn't this isn't very hard for you, Mr. Magnolia, is it? Like, I felt that he could have varied it a little bit um, in some places, but that that's that's a small thing. Uh, the the colors and the everything just felt so perfect, though. Like this, I hadn't seen it in a while, so it was nice. It was very nice. Now, Ron, in order to um, save your sanity, yes, 
Superman 681 was not the pick of the week, although it almost was. Was this, is this Johns or James Robinson? James Robinson. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sick of the Superman thing. I thought your head might have exploded. Yeah, so it might have a little. It's like, can, can we go down on Superman anymore, really? <laughs> this is like when you guys are reading Booster Gold, and you're like, Josh, why aren't you reading? It's really good. And I was like, I, I don't Josh, why aren't you reading Booster Gold? I don't want to. <laughs> you're sitting here, you got, you got us two and everybody else in the world going, Superman's great, and you, I won't read it. Yeah, <laughs> not gonna do it. I just I don't like Superman. I don't. Okay, well, why, why was this good? Okay, I'll listen. Well, the reason why it wasn't picked was because it was a very strong second part to a ten-part story. Mm-hmm. So you have like the blockbuster. This first is a ten-part story going through two yes. books, so five months. No, Jesus. three three books and two specials. Oh, <laughs> be done this is, do I have to buy Supergirl? Yes, Supergirl, Superman, action, and then a one-shot, which you don't necessarily need to buy. Say that I don't buy Supergirl, though. Do you think uh, I can get through? I have no idea. We'll find out. Well, they're numbered in sequential order now. This is the 90s all over again. You realize this. Well, I well yes and no, because at the, at the end of this issue, it says continued in two weeks in action or part three. So I think part three sort of diverges into a side story, whereas the main action happens in, the, in action next week. So I think you might be able to get by um, with some missing some of the specials, I think. Right. Okay. Because, I, I mean, so. you can... But I think I, I read the, the Sinestro War without reading Green Lantern Corps, and I was fine. That was awesome. True. So you might be able to do that. So we'll see. If, if not, then you'll have to get caught up to speed. But I, you know, I, I will tell you, the worst thing. when I was reading this, um, I really felt for the first time, um, except for the, the Jimmy Olsen special, I felt like it too, but it felt to me like a James Robinson book that I liked um, in a yes. way that the last arc hadn't. Uh, he's totally getting so. it now. He's, he's very, he's, he's, his learning curve is... Is much lower. He, I think, whatever happened in this, he got it in a special, and now he seems to be on it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is totally understandable, it. actually. Well, um, basically, this issue was, is the is you know the, at the end of the last special, we had all the hundred thousand Kryptonians flying out into Earth, and now everyone's freaking out. So Superman takes a delegation of Kryptonians to meet the president, and no one told Renato Gatiss that that DC is not in the real world because the president's drawn to be George Bush. Yeah, really, uh, pretty much. Yikes. And, I really like this for a couple of reasons. One, there's a couple of great quiet moments where people are still dealing with the grief of Pa Kent. Like, there's a scene where Superman's flying, and all of a sudden he just says, he just says oh, Dad. Because that's the kind of thing that happens with grief, is that it hits you randomly. I saw that, and I thought it was really weird. I flipped, it through, I flipped through this in the store, and it, it, I, I saw that exact page, and I was like, oh, that, that doesn't seem realistic. Grief, grief will hit, no, grief hits you yeah. randomly. You think, you've, you think you've beaten it, and then all of a sudden it'll hit you when you're doing nothing, something mindless, and you'll, you'll feel the pain again. That's what sort of happens in, in this issue a couple of times. I thought it was a really strong scene. And there's a strong scene with, with Ma and, and the dog also. And then there's the really good stuff with the anxiety of the world, with all these Kryptonians, and the Justice League is worried, and the Justice Society is worried, and they're all talking to Superman, like, what, you know, you've got to keep this under control, and this, this is a problem, and he's trying to be, make the best of it, but clearly you know this is going to be a problem. He's in denial. That's, yeah, he's totally, he's so happy there's Kryptonians, he's in denial about the implications of it all. These Kryptonians need to find a gap, because <laughs> they, they do not look okay. I was really <laughs> digging this, I've got to say, uh, until the last page. I was yeah. not so into the last page, um, and in the last page, uh, Doomsday with a big growl and, and the whatnot, and it's just really yeah. That's that's what I uh. said. I was like, really? Wasn't there enough without Gosh. that? Maybe a thousand Kryptonians kill him, and they will never see him again. Ever. I would assume Jeez. so because the one almost did, yeah. like you know Superman almost won. Yeah. Well, the the whole retcon on Doomsday was that he can't be killed, and that he he relearns 
every time. I mean, you can never kill him the same way twice. I don't know. Right, but they no. should just get. Yeah. They should use this opportunity. To get it was very good, I thought, for a lot of number of reasons, but also. It was a, it was a part two, you know. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a nice part two, so it wasn't like earth shattering. I would. It, was, uh, it wasn't better. Than- I would like to invite Ron to give us his thoughts on Rage of the Red Lanterns, or what should have been called the pick of the week. My God, how did yeah. we not pick this as the pick of the week this week? That's what I would like to know. Um, there were five books better than it. No, none of them. <laughs> yes. um, uh, and I, I, I thought, I thought maybe it was. I thought maybe it was the Jeff Johns thing. Like you didn't want to give it to, Je- no, to no, Jeff. No, Johns? no. I played it straight. It wasn't the best book of the week. I thought it was very good. It was a four-star oh. book all the way, but it no, was... I have two words not, for you. I have two words for you. Well, red vomit. Words. Three words. Red Lantern Cat. Come on. That was possibly the best lantern I've seen yet. We, so, so basically, this is the Rage of the Red Lanterns, and it's a one-shot that shows the, the, um, uh, the arising of the Red Lanterns led by Atrocious or whatever his name Atrocitus. is. Atro- Atrocitus. And you see the recruiting of all the Red Lanterns, and I guess there's one Lantern that used to be a Green Lantern that Hal knew. And also, on the, the other plot is that uh, Sinestro is going to be executed. And so, on one hand, you got a plot of the Red Lanterns rising, and there's a whole bunch of awesome... Like, I'm having so much fun looking to see what all these Lanterns are going to look like, mm-hmm. and to see what their, you know, what, what their costumes look like, and what kind of aliens they look like. And there's this big double-page spread, and they're showing the Red Lanterns, and there's just this blue cat... This little little small kitty cat with ass. who's a Red Lantern, who's, and what's even better is that uh, its Red Lantern ring is on its tail, which is just like <laughs> I love the humor with this. But anyway, um, so the, the blood the blood vomit was kind of stupid. The blood vomit was weird because yeah, the because I guess they they throw up blood and then it turns into fire. I don't know. That was weird. I agree with you in that that I, regard. I had a lot of those moments when I was reading this where I was kind of like, yeah. that's kind of stupid. And then a big problem that I had with this really was at the end. I went over it a lot of times to figure out what the hell was happening. And yes, yeah. I thought that was it was very confusing in transitioning scenes, and it was just like yeah. I had a hard time keeping up with who was who and what was ha- following. It, just, yep. it, it was a very fun four-star, but there was a lot missing to make it. A, like There a, were some definite you know, storytelling great- pa- uh, issues in the last few pages. Um, and only now, only now that I'm looking at it, am I able to suss out what happened in the last two pages because some weird a blue lantern named St. Walker comes from out of nowhere and i just realized that it came from out of hal's ring or him well, or no no i don't know if it came out of hal's ring i think what happened was that he's recharging hal's ring and overcharging it so that that's what like and then hal looks and he's right there helping him well then what i don't, think, I don't who, think he came out of the ring i think what happened was he just appeared and you're right i know I, I i agree with you i don't know where he came from mm-hmm. but um and, and but I, I was i really like i went back a bunch of times and like wait what did i miss and it didn't make any sense to me and, yeah. and I know that sometimes it's like, well, you'll find out what it is next time. But I think it, this was badly, poorly done. I think it could have been done better. I don't know. I liked it. I say poorly is probably harsher than needs to be said. But I think it was definitely had some some issues in terms of mm-hmm. confusion. But well, that was, it was that, a fun book. Yeah. That said, you know, say what you will about the storytelling thing, but Shane Davis uh, impressed me. Impressed the hell out. Good. Yeah, the art was really, really good. I, I just think the whole Green Lantern line is so strong right now. And, it, you know, yes, this is a one-shot, and maybe that was one of the reasons why he had storytelling issues or whatever, but I think it was really, really good. You can make a case that the Green Lantern line is the strongest line in the DCU right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and but they better hope Jeff, they got insurance on Jeff Johns, that's for sure. <laughs> it's like Seinfeld. It's like Seinfeld yeah. in the NBC in the 90s. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I want to tell everybody about uh, Witchblade, the anime series that's available now on DVD and digital download. 
Um, you all know about Witchblade. It's based on the comic book series from Top Cow Productions. Uh, it's the anime series that goes in the future to tell the tale of a new bearer of the Witchblade and the conspiracy that surrounds her burden. It's a 24-episode series box set featuring wraparound art by Mark Silvestri, which is pretty cool. We've seen, we've seen these DVDs. They're a lot of fun. Um, the box set includes 100 minutes of extra features, including all you want to know about Top Cow with interviews and a tour. Um, but what's also really cool is that if you're going completely digital like some of us are, um, you can download it uh, directly from iTunes, from the, P- uh, the PlayStation 3 store, Xbox, and Amazon. So you can download them, you know, watch them on your computer, um, or you can buy the DVD box set, whatever you like. Um, so if you head over to www.funimation.com forward slash Witchblade, that's Funimation, F-U-N-I-M-A-T-I-O-N.com forward slash Witchblade, you can check out clips of the series and check out the box art, and you can probably order it from there. So um, if you're a fan of Witchblade, if you're a fan of Top Cow, you got to get this DVD set. It's really cool. It's so. not exactly the same as the, uh, as the, the comic book Witchblade. It, it, yeah. it, it's a different kind of story. It's creepy. Yeah. I've watched well, anime. It's creepy. Rage of the Red Lanterns was a lot, a lot of good, but um, if you go to ifanboy.com, you might have saw on Monday that I wanted everybody to not miss Ultimate Spider-Man Annual um, Issue Number 3 for two reasons. One, that it was the much-hyped Peter and Mary Jane going to have sex issue, but more so for the art of um, of David LaFuente. Um, We got a a couple preview pages from Marvel um, uh, that we looked at, and it just blew me away. And... um, I think David David LaFuente right now is probably my favorite Spider-Man artist in terms, especially for Ultimate Spider-Man, because his he, Spider-Man action scenes were incredible. Were great, and he looks like a kid as Spider-Man. That's the yeah. thing. That's the key thing is that he's he looks 15 in this book. But not only the action sequences, but even the the dialogue and the relationship sequences and the facial expressions. And there's that one scene when. Um, uh, when Peter and Mary Jane are at the um, at the lunchroom table, and it's all these vertical panels, yep. and it is it, it was so much fun to read to see the looks on their faces and to see like the beats and and to do um, to do you know kind of the Bendis dialogue. I mean, Lafuente nailed it, and and I'm gonna I'm buying whatever he draws next. It's so good. So now, just a few I, months ago, you were saying that that other dude was your favorite Spider-Man artist, Marcos Martin. And yeah, where, yeah. Where actually, do your, yeah. where do your allegiances Honest lie, a sir? Bitch. You know, my allegiances lie in whoever's got something in print. <laughs> but um, but let's give it up. I had, for, I had one problem with this issue, which was it uh, wasn't Mary Jane's panties at the end. That's for sure. Oh, oh did I say that out loud? Oh, 15, sorry. You, somebody's calling. <laughs> anybody out there's in law enforcement, please call the, the, <laughs> the line to register Ron. I thought the fir- the transition from the very first scene to the school scene was kind of jarring. And I didn't know. I think it was meant to be, though. It was like the conversation on the bed. The conversation ended, and then suddenly they were at school. Well, was yeah. fine, but it was like there, there was very. It was like all of a sudden they were running around and not talking to each other, and, and it was very sort of wacky. No, but that, that a, but that was why because she, it ends with saying, "Should we?" and then you don't know what happened, and then and like throughout the whole issue, I was like, "God, did they try and they screwed up, and it was bad, or did they didn't?" And it, like you know, they spent the whole time trying to wonder. Um, you know what they're doing. You know, well, I had missed. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that. Wonder. I figured they didn't do it. Yeah. See, on the first page, it said last night, uh, and then on the, that other page that Connor's talking about it says today, and I think I missed yeah. that, and I think that probably would have helped. I, yeah, I understood that the upper right hand corner it should have been in the upper left hand corner. Who who lettered this? Ooh, Corey Pettit. Not good. Not good. The rest so. of it was good. All that overlapping shit. Um, yeah. Other than that, <laughs> the rest of the book was really good. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of letters, so I mean, yeah, right. it was actually lettered really well, except for that one thing. Yeah. Um, 
I, I really, really, really enjoyed this book. And it, like literally I finished it and I was like, though, that was Ron's favorite book. I'm actually surprised that you, you would have picked Red Lanterns over this because – I mean, this was this was good times. This was this was neat. The, the, Plus, Mysterio. We all know how much you like Mysterio. I do like Mysterio a lot. I like Mysterio a ton. I so. can't stand Mysterio, but I was still okay with it. Why can't you say Mysterio's great? He's a classic. Um, he's a classic character. You know, when I first he's got started, a big head. Well, when I yeah. first started buying Ultimate Spider-Man comics to those McFarlane issues, uh, I think that the Mysterio storyline that they did around that time was the first one I didn't like. Amazing, you mean? Yeah, amazing. Like back in the early three hundreds. Mysterio was the um, wasn't he the he was the he was the big reveal in Kevin Smith's Daredevil. I also hated that. Really? Oh, I hated that. That totally yeah. took the. Oh, that was great. No, yeah. that was really good. It threw it to- threw me for a loop. Yeah, well, so anyway, on your five. All right, well, moving on. Um, I'm breaking format a little, and this happened a year ago when we talked about Scott Pilgrim. But I just wanted to tell everybody that if they're not reading Empowered by Adam Warren from Dark Horse, that they're really missing out. And it's purely been because of um, schedule and things like that that I haven't had an opportunity to talk about it on the site or the, or the, or the video. But I will be changing that soon. But um, Empowered is this awesome, awesome um, – I don't know what it is. It's a different size book. It's bigger than Digest, but it's smaller than a regular um, comic book. And um, Adam Warren draws in um, his, kind of, his own kind of American manga style. But it I've is, heard a lot about it. It's so good and so much fun. It's about this uh, character named Empowered who she has a suit that gives her powers, but the suit is incredibly fragile, and she gets and it falls apart, and then she's half naked, and then she gets caught and gets tied up and needs to be saved. And on paper, that sounds like a real eye roller and a real kind of, oh, whatever, but it's written so kind of like satirical of the superhero universe and the superhero world. But then he's also layering in like her relationship with her boyfriend, who's a former evil henchman. And like it's playing on all those superhero stereotypes, but it's written really, really well. He writes and draws it. It's all black and white, um, but it's, it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of humor, um, and it just – it's it really, you know, I don't know. I, I picked up the first three, and I couldn't stop reading them. Um, and so when I saw the fourth one came out, I had to pick it up and I want to tell everybody to check it out. Um, it's not for kids. Um, there's a lot of sex jokes and there's a lot of nudity and things like that. But, um, if you're over 18 and you like, uh, kind of making fun of superheroes and capes and tights, then, uh, empowered is one you should definitely check out. So yeah, I've heard, I, I saw a lot of chatter about it today when it came out. People were really excited that a new volume was out. Oh no, it, it, it sold out of my store. It totally, it was, it was like, like, how many did you buy? Uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, there was a stack. When I got there at like 5.30, there was a stack of like four or five copies. When I left at 7.30, they were all gone. So, I have, um, they're all on your this. Yeah, they're all mine, actually. I bought them all. He um, bagged and boarded them in Mylar. Yeah. <laughs> this time. Um, I actually this bought, time. I bought, a, I bought, I bought the, Minx, the new Minx book that came out, and it was bagged. Yeah. Really? They bagged, they sort of bagging their trades. And I bought the new Joker hardcover, which comes shrink-wrapped, and that was bagged. It was really? double-bagged. Really? I that the, doesn't I work the, because up the and then two rubber uh, rub against each other and makes it in effect. Oh, wait, I'm talking about something else. <laughs> That's awful. You never double back. Uh, Ron, I was curious what you thought about the ending to your favorite Marvel series ever. Marvel 1985 by Mark Miller and Tony Lee Edwards um, is probably the best thing Mark Miller's ever written. Um, it's hands down, I think it's one of the most. It's heartwarming. It's. Um, a little it bit. was definitely an unexpected ending. Yeah, I was definitely, expecting that. definitely unexpected ending. And it was, um, you know, he's, despite what, you know, some of our writers on iFanboy think, he's a good writer. And I like I his dialogue. And I like, 
and basically he didn't go over the top with this. Like he Miller's got this reputation of going crazy and all that kind of stuff. But this is like it's just, this is a family story and it's about a kid and his dad. And I did cheat. I did think it cheesed out a little at the end when it was a little bit like the Stand by Me ending when it fast forward to the future and the guy's like writing his story. That's, that's like a you know that's the seminal Wonder Years ending. Yeah. But um, this this is I mean for anybody who loves Marvel comics and anybody who who loves comics and has um like has a heart they got to read this it was just so good and the art it was I that love, plus, I love plus the, the art, art plus seeing the old school Avengers in action yeah oh the, the Avengers assemble scene was just so great as usual you know it was just it was um you know really played up to that moment and and even the you know the Excelsior at the end and all that kind of stuff it was there was just, a lot of funny bits too like like yeah. the um the comic nerds who we see throughout the the guys who run the store at the end there when they're being they're all sort of they all live the Avengers have saved everyone and and the guy's like, man, I only got saved by Iron Man. That's lame. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, because at the time, that would have been kind of lame. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the, the, my only complaint is that maybe the... Um the the uh, the the villain who turned out to be was a little like there was no hint or reveal. I, mean, I guess there was hinting of it in the beginning, yeah. but it was you know. But but whatever. That's that's what it is. So um, I agree. I mean, I think there was. Yeah. I, I think that was less important. I think it was more about the dad. You know, it was uh, the story. Yeah, about- it was the family story. Yeah, totally. Sound like Feel the Dreams. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Where it's not about it's not about Shoeless Joe. It's about the dad, really. Yeah. All right, you two. I'm going to complain about it. All right, fine. I was um, like, I w- no, there was a big, there was like this big climax going, and then all of a sudden it was over. I was like, oh, there was no battle, there was no nothing. By the way, yeah, there was. There the, was, the story wasn't about the battle. I know, but I wanted it to be. Cause well, then, well, either <laughs> way, it, it, my favorite thing in it though was that they all had, to, they were like, hurry up before Galactus builds his machine. I love the idea of Galactus like, put that screw there. Yeah, but, but that's always the case. I mean, do you remember the Nova issue from a few weeks ago? It's like, quick, he's building the machine. It's like, like, why doesn't he? You know, Why does he bring it? Bring it pre-built. It's like, Jesus. It's like he you gets know his why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't have the Allen wrench. He doesn't. stole my. He gets the machine from IKEA. That's the problem. And in order to flat pack it for travel, they have to take it apart. And the thing I is, can't like, read these instructions. These are there's no words on here. Oh, what's no. what's your world eating machine? Oh, that's a huff scarf. It's, uh, <laughs> How many O's are in that? One? You don't want Galactus pulling up with a minivan with a bunch of those flat boxes on top. Because when he gets those built, oh my god, we have a new meme. It's Galactus at IKEA. <laughs> Do you have this but bigger? <laughs> oh god, that's funny. Uh, let me see. No, no, that's upside down. And then exactly, he loses the Allen key. Uh, yeah, the Allen wrench. Yeah, he sends so. Silver Surfer out because he's missing one of the little rivet things. <laughs> that's really why he goes so fast he's like get back to ikea get the screw <laughs> it's like it's like 8 40 yeah. <laughs> so, and, and then he finishes and he's got that one little piece of fabric and he's like where does this go it's like they keep it to the wall <laughs> he never anchors his world eating machines never. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh god very funny all right so yeah. It was a nice little. It was. It was definitely not his sort of normal, cynical worldview story, which was a nice, refreshing it change. Was. Josh, you have one minute to talk about Jack of Fables. I wanted to mention Jack of Fables really quick. This is sort of uh, the the penultimate bit to the storyline that's been going on for a while, and in it, like, there's an army of 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 fables who who aren't well known, and it was just this excuse to to write ridiculous fables and and their silly names, and it made me laugh out loud a lot, and I had a lot of fun reading it. Although I was a little confused by parts, it's starting to get really, really convoluted. Um, but but the art's getting better and better, and 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 like it was 
funny. It was a lot of fun like it has been. And this is 27 issues now. This is over two years of books, um, and it's been fun. And there was a couple of really cool things that um, that happened in this book that they don't do in the regular fables. And basically at the end, this character shows up, and he's the deus ex machina, which means that he just fixes the problem. And you're like, oh. And it was just a, like a play on that on that type of concept. And it's actually very literate and very fun and, and stuff like that. So We're only on issue 27 of Jack of Fables. Yeah. Yeah. We're really twenty seven like, issues. Really twenty seven issues of this book. <laughs> no, I just feel like it should have been. I feel like it's always been around. I don't know. Why. Really, not. It still feels so like weird. a new book to me. Like it's always. Like, oh yeah, oh. this book. Two years. It could be that I'm not reading it. That could be it. That why. might be it. That could be it. Uh, yeah. Moving along. Anyway, uh, you know what's good? Uh, Netflix. Uh, over 90,000 titles, no late fees, free shipping both ways. They got Blu-ray titles, uh, fast delivery. Most of their shipments go in just one day. The plans start at four ninety-nine. This is a free two-week trial. And this month, it's coming to the Xbox. Coming to the Xbox. And, and TiVo. And also TiVo. Yeah, yeah. I'm really yeah. excited about that. And apparently there's HD downloads that are going to be for Xbox, too which is awesome. Yeah. So get you yeah. to uh, www.netflix.com slash iFanboy if you're thinking of signing up because of that, because that would help us out. Don't forget the W's. Let's move along to user reviews. So the first, uh, so if you go to iFanboy.com, you can, iFanboy.com forward slash comics, you can check out all the comics that come out every week and you can do your pull list and you can le- leave ratings and write a review and we like to hear from the iFanboy community, the iFanbase as it were. Um, and so the first review comes from Parker who reviewed Astonishing X-Men Ghost Boxes number one and he gave the story a one and uh, one out of five and the art a four out of five and 0.07% of the iFanboy community made this their pick of the week and Parker says this is Warren Ellis's run on the authority only not nearly as good now I'm not just saying this because the X team is dealing with alternate realities this concept is nothing new to the Marvel Universe heck it get used every other month in one book or another however the similarities are far too many to be a coincidence I would like to hear recordings of Ellis's pitch for both these and try to match all of the keywords Uh, here's the thing I, this book was in my pull list, and I was all excited because Alan Davis did the art. And I opened it up, and the first eight pages were Alan Davis art, and then the next yep. eight pages were somebody I didn't know, and then, I, I the re- think, and, then and then the rest of the book was um, was uh, Warren Ellis's script and notes, yeah. and it was a uh, big old rip off rip, and it was, I, and it was no, it was three ninety nine. It was three dollars. I, I bought this because of my edict to buy whatever Alan Davis draws, and. It was incomprehensible. Yes. The main story, even the main story with with Warren Ellis and Alan Davis, I couldn't I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Yeah. I was so disappointed. I gave it a one. It was, I, I, I mean, no, I, yeah, I, I didn't buy it. I didn't even buy it. And you know how much I love Alan well, Davis. I didn't, I didn't look through it. If I looked through it, I might not have even bought it. But I just picked it up and you know bought it. I got it home and I started reading it and I went, all right, I, I don't understand what the no, fuck's going even, on here. And then I got to the middle and it ended. And then I got some other story and I was like, oh fuck yeah, everybody. They're, so flying these, they're flinging around this astonishing title on everything where once again. Well, it is. It's, it is the story. Doesn't it continue the story? I mean, it seems like it's part of the story. That's I thought going it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a fill-in for Simone Bianchi in, in Astonishing's title. Like I was all excited for an Alan Davis two-issue story arc. Well, it seems to be, even though they've numbered it differently, because there's no more astonishing until this is over. This is just. So, this is. They, they screwed this up big time. Big time. Yeah. Big time. There's a, there's yeah. a pooch, yeah. and it's getting screwed. It's getting screwed. Uh, it's not good. Alien Fun. Headhunter, who uses the three instead of the e. Uh, set of Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One. He gives the story a three out of five and the art a four out of five. No users selected as the pick of the week at this time. Not bad. Probably would have been better if I had just read some issues before this one, so I knew who Jackpot was. But other than that, good. So yep. just uh... that was the entire review. That was the entire review. <laughs> nice. Um, you thought you would, you I would really... <laughs> highlight some of the more uh, succinct people. 
<laughs> I really actually liked this a lot. Um, much to my surprise, this was about Jackpot, and the Jackpot was the registered hero from the new Brand New Day line that, that sort of shows up every now and then to, to bother Spider-Man and to make him think that maybe it's Mary Jane because she's got red hair, she says Tiger all the time, and blah, yep. blah, blah. So this was her story revealing her identity and finding out that she was... Jackpot was a hero who didn't want to be a hero anymore, so this other girl took her identity, took her registration and genetically engineered herself to have superpowers, and this is the effect of that, and it goes very badly for her. And I thought it was a very good take on the, da- the dark side of this, is that sometimes when you inject yourself full of chemicals, you don't get superpowers, you die. Yeah. I and it was very sort of touching fairly frequently. Yes. The stuff was in the middle of stand, kind of, you know, the standard superhero stuff, but I thought the ending where, 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 it, goes, where you know, it goes badly and she starts to get, she starts to just, you know, she gets sick and dies all of a sudden in the middle of a fight with, with Spider-Man and some other people. It was very good. I thought uh, Mike McCone art was fantastic. I love Mike McCone. All right, so um, go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics where you can uh, write a review and tell everybody what you thought of your comics that came out. I know lots of other books came out this week, and it was a, I, I bought like 19, so um, yeah. On to the email. Yes. Adrian Z says, I have a question about the increasing number of crossover events we're seeing. Now, I've only been reading comics for a few years, so House of M was my first big event. But since then, it doesn't seem like there has been a time when there wasn't a crossover, at least in the Marvel Universe. We had House of M then Civil War, then Secret War, then World War Hulk, then Messiah Complex. Did I miss any? Now we have Secret Invasion, and after that we've got Dark Reign. I know that these are awesome money spinners, but they don't often spin out great stories. Do you guys see an end to this constant event cycle, or are they here to stay? Um, there have always been events, as long as I've been reading comics. I mean, that was the... There are certainly cycles of, of over-eventing. Yeah, well, yeah, no, but they're all, but I mean, my, when I got into Uncanny X Men in 1990, it was with the Extinction Agenda crossover that went over all through the X books. Yeah, but, you know, a couple of years ago. No, absolutely. I mean, they're always there, but this is, there's a cycle of where they do them too much, like what they're doing now, where one event leads to another, leads to another event, leads to another event, where people get sick of it and they stop for a while and they do one, but they don't do six. Yeah, you know, Joe said yeah. he's like, well, you do one and then you take some time off, and, you do, and they haven't done, they haven't taken any time off, and it does, it looks like it's going to be a while. Yeah, you know, like I felt, I felt like Secret Invasion started just, just as we were really starting to get in the meat of the Civil War aftermath, and like so, we we we've, we've cast that aside. Um, and it's funny because it's probably what it is is they got these good ideas and they're like, well, shit, we shouldn't waste them. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you gotta let those ones go and let let some of the books be because it, it does feel like we've admired in these for a good long while now. Yeah. It was like we didn't get any we didn't get any time to focus on what happened with Civil War because we went right into Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. So there was no fallout. There was no this it, it didn't really change anything because they didn't have time to change anything. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any of that you know, we did, we should have gotten like a year of the just new Marvel status quo. Like like after it, Civil War, right, with the initiative. Yeah. Well, no, but the, the rest of the books didn't weren't really changed by it. Though it was happening really in that one book. You didn't. There was no change really in Daredevil or other yeah. books like uh, that. Yeah, that's, just, the, that's the problem is that they're trying to change the status quo with these big events, but they're not. They're not. They're not selling it. They're not going all the way through. So they don't follow through with it. There's no follow through. Well, all right. They should watch. So, but so so they're they're here to stay, Adrian, until people get so sick of them that they stop buying them, and then they'll go down for a while, and then they'll come back. Yeah. That's the cycle of comics. But in, in 2015, we should look forward to an event-free year. I think that's where they have earmarked at this point. 2015, nice. 2015. Right. Yeah, books, will so, be, books will be 850 an issue. 
<laughs> Our next email comes from Kevin from White Plains, Maryland. Not White Plains, New York, where I used to work. Um, now that Batman Begins and The Dark Knight have been so successful, and this new Terminator movie look, looks like it's going to make Terminator cooler than it was in 1991, it got me wondering, is there a dwindling movie franchise that Christian Bale can't make great? I know I might be jumping the gun on Terminator, but the man makes great movies. Is there the reboot or series that you'd like to throw at him and, and, make, and make rock the shit? Okay. Made no sense. Is there a dwindling movie <laughs> franchise that Christian Bale can't make great? Shaft. Yes. There you go. There yep. you go. He failed. Yep. Good um, answer. What I'd like to know is how come there is not a Reign of Fire franchise? There absolutely should be. And there should be Reign of Fire comics, and there should be Reign of Fire everything. I they want, kill all the dragons. Yeah. I want a Van Zant action figure more than I want food. No, don't you think they could do they could do a Rain of Fire prequel? I mean, they could show. They could what totally have a sequel. They could say, "Oh, there was." One. They didn't know. We don't know. They killed all the dragons. But they could do a. They could do a sequel. They could do a, a prequel. They could do like what was life like. I want to follow Matthew McConaughey's character and watch how they got to England and all yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, there could be. I mean, they don't know that much about the dragons, so there could be this yeah. m- mutated strain of dragon that survived running out of ash, and they just went into hibernation, and then yeah. now they're resistant to you know they're tougher than they were before. Uh, you should be quiet and write this. Oh man, that's a, <laughs> yeah. that'd be a great movie. Wait, right. he was asking about superheroes? You know, I don't want to. No, all we're going to talk about is Reign of Fire. If you're going to bring, bring up Christian Bale... <laughs> yep, it's Reign of Fire. Deal with it. And you I, I don't think Terminator. Terminator looks good, to be honest. Uh, anyway. I have no desire to see Terminator. You, can never, you, can, you cannot judge from a trailer. Uh, I come to you speaking of The Phantom Menace. You cannot judge from a trailer. <laughs> That's a very good point. Very Greatest good point. trailer of all time. I've never been so excited to see it. That music started up and... Oh, it's yep. like they stabbed me in the face. <laughs> All right, so if you have any questions, you can shoot us an email at contact.ifanboy.com. At In Stock Trades, you can save up to 37% off your books with free shipping on orders of over $50. They've got over 5,100 paperbacks in stock available for order with new releases listed every Wednesday, and orders usually ship with four, within 48 hours from www.instocktrades.com. That's where you can always get the book of the month, which by the time you hear this, some of you, uh, there will be a new book of the month, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's coming. You yeah. can get and you can get last month's book of the month, American Flag, which has been backordered, but they're going to get more. This month's book of the month is right here. Oh, it's so good, American Flag, so so good. American it, Flag is too. All right, so onto the voicemail. Our first voicemail has got a question about a long lost, forgotten set of characters. Hey guys, love the show. Uh, this is Dustin in Pittsburgh. I just found it a couple weeks ago. My question is about the Ultraverse. Um, those comics really got me into comics when I was younger. Uh, was something I could read from the first issue. And my question is, why doesn't Marvel utilize these characters? DC is having uh, such a good time using the Wildstorm characters, um, the Milestone characters. They're bringing in any characters that they have and uh, using them. I just wonder why Marvel doesn't do the same thing. I know there's something about creator rights, but maybe you guys have a better answer. I, I literally, I have no idea. It's not easy. It doesn't even ring a bell. I don't okay. know what. Go. Yeah. Tell everybody's story. A long time ago, there was a company called Malibu Comics, and they uh, launched a, su- uh, a line of superheroes called the Ultraverse. Uh, Prime was the big super- Superman-like character. There was a bunch of other ones that I don't remember. Um, uh, Ma- Malibu also helped launch Image, but then Image left and launched their own thing. Um, Malibu had very advanced um, uh, coloring techniques, and Marvel bought Malibu to get their hands on their coloring. They didn't care about the characters. So as soon as they bought Malibu, they shut down all the comics and they just use their coloring. And That's a rough day at the office. You, we got bought by Marvel, Wee! and then being shut down. Yeah, exactly. Um, they, they, they kept printing them for a little while, and there was some rumor that they were going to cross them over into the Marvel Universe, but it never happened. Um, 
Casada, I remember a few years ago, I don't remember what year it was, it was at least two years ago, Casada said that he wanted to, one of the things as editor-in-chief is that he wanted to bring back the Ultraverse, but um, because of the, the creations, actually there were royalties involved for the creators, creators' rights once again, um, that because of the, the royalty structure that it would be fiscally impossible. And so the Ultraverse, unless Marvel wants to pay the people who created the characters, it's never going to happen. So, And, and why pay them? them? Yeah, exactly. Why pay the people who created him? He's a creator. So. There must be more to it. I don't know. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, also, there's probably more to it, but I, that's what I remember reading in the interview. Also, so. is, the, know, is the demand high enough to justify that's the pay? Exactly. No. Are you crazy? They weren't good characters. Exactly. So there's not. There's a reason. Wasn't Prime around. by Norm Brayfogel? Or was that a different Prime comic? It might have been by Norm Brayfogel. Remember yeah, he had was. like red hair? He was like a little kid or a little something. Huge. He turned, right? big prom, yeah. Like Captain Marvel? He became. He became hit, yeah, that was yeah. Norm Brayfogel. Yeah. He left Batman that. Nice, good, good, good decision there, Norm. Well, nice. he probably it was probably like cross gen. Like they they offered him a thing. He's like, this is way better than what I'm getting at DC. Yeah, it was look at the coloring. Look at the coloring. <laughs> their books and they do their own books, and yeah. some some succeeded, some didn't. Dental, you right. say? Hmm. Ray <laughs> was never seen again. Okay, uh, so if you have a question uh, that you need answered that you can't live without an answer, uh, call us on our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Please leave your name, where you're from. Try to keep your message to thirty seconds, and um, you know, don't let your cell phone dial us and let us listen to your conversation because that that happened. So. Also, uh, <laughs> whoever the dude is who called and left his number to tell us about his rare comic book and wanted to know how much it was worth, you might want to do some more research. That's yeah, not so much. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, cool. So one eight eight fanboys. So that's the show. That is the show. Wow, we survived it. Survived the first ever live streaming show. Live recording. So uh, uh, maybe uh, we'll do this again sometime, and maybe we'll take live questions, and maybe we'll do all sorts of fun things. So tune into ifanboy.com to yeah. keep up on that. So. So if you go to ifanboy.com, you can read my full pick of the week review where you can see my thoughts on whatever book it was. And Battlefield of the Night, which is number one. And then you can check out more in-depth discussion and all of our great columnists every week, like Paul Dini and our, our, all of our other Jim and Paul and Mike and Sonia and those people. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, also, if you're over there, you can uh, check out. There was a talk explode this week from uh, Eric Canetti that, that will have just come out. You can give that a listen. Um, and while you're there, interview you. Uh, pretty much. I was like, all right, that's all I got. And he goes, well, hang on a second. <laughs> it takes a turn. What comics do you like? And I was like, well. And then I, I'm me. So I was just like, blah, 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 blah. And 20 minutes had passed. Yeah. So it was very nice. I felt like he cared. Welcome to our life, Eric. Uh, but no, she listened to that. It's actually very unlike any of the conversations I think we've had so far. Um, and it's funny because like, the two projects he's done recently with Rick Remender and Joe Casey were the other guys we did. Uh, talk explodes with. Which yeah, they were all. With, the end. The end league is all about intentional. Talk. Yeah, completely. Um, because they they all came to us separately. Um, anyway, so while you're there, go to uh, ifanboy.com/store. Um, and and uh, you can go to Amazon through there with the holiday season coming up. If you buy stuff that way, that will help us out, and you won't have to do a thing. But also, there's stuff from our our shows that you can uh, check out there. And um, when you go to ifanboy.com, why don't you go there on a Wednesday? And why don't you check out the video show that comes out every Wednesday? Uh, you can also check it out at revision3.com forward slash ifanboy. Uh, this past week, we, we talked about politics in comics because apparently politics are a hot topic, I hear. There's some sort of election happening. Um, and uh, this well, 
yeah, it, yeah, it's happening. Ooh, if you haven't, if you if you haven't voted yet, vote on Tuesday. Um, anyway, um, and this coming week on Wednesday, um, you're going to want to check out our spotlight on Image Comics, where we take a look at the comics that uh, Image is putting out that we're enjoying. So, uh, Image Comics Spotlight. And if you have a TiVo, you can watch that show on TiVo, which is pretty exciting. They, it's a you can go to the live was the live download section. Yeah, 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 something like that. And you can find iFanboy on there. You can watch it on your big TV. You can see us in high-definition glory, which is fan-freaking-tastic for my self-image. Yep. You're just assuming everybody has an HDTV. Don't they? I, I don't know, I think. I can't imagine not having one. Good Lord. I know I couldn't even afford it, and I was like, well, we need one. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you may have noticed if you tried to buy an I, iFanboy shirt uh, that, that uh, they weren't there. Uh <laughs> Eek. If you go to jinx.com slash ifanboy, you're not going to find anything. Um, so be very patient. Pretty soon there'll be a new Revision 3 store, and you'll be able to get them that way. Um, and, and Yes, it's literally going to be like like a couple of weeks. Before Thanksgiving, it'll yeah. be out. So so basically, that shirt that your grandmother has had her fingers crossed for, I think it could still happen. So thank God. Uh, yeah. Until then, uh, there's, a, there's an ifanboy shirt group over on Flickr. Which is we'll put a, a, a link in the show notes, but it's uh, flickercom slash groups slash ifanboypride, which uh, is a group of lions. <laughs> so if you have any shirt pictures of you wearing an ifanboy shirt, you could put it there, uh, with, yeah. where there are others who have them. You wouldn't be the first, for example. Thanks to Pink Sage for setting that up. Pink Sage rules. So. Um, all right, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to know from us, uh, send us an email or voicemail, and we'd love to hear from you. Social networks are fun, yay. Go to ifanboy.com slash about. You can go to myspace.com slash ifanboy, comicspace.com slash ifanboy, verb.com slash ifanboy, our Facebook group. You can follow us on Twitter, which is very important if you want to join in on the live casting fun as I gesture to the monitor, which you can't see. But if you, would <laughs> wanted, if you want to be in that room I just gestured to, uh, sign up and follow our Twitter feeds, and you'll know when we randomly decide to do this, or random chats, which we may decide to do as well. Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter. That's where you find out all the cool stuff. So, <laughs> um, Very important, uh, if you haven't left a review on iTunes and you really, really like the show, that's a great way to help us out. It's very easy, um, and that gets more people to see it, and it, it helps us out immensely. Um, so if you could uh, go there, leave a review for the video show or for the audio show, that helps a lot, or uh, even better than that, if you know anybody you think might like it or and doesn't know about this kind of stuff, just tell people. Tell people on message boards. Mention at the comic shop. Um, if if you guys do what you can to spread the word, um, that literally means the world to us. And so thank you. Yeah. And finally, um, if you like the show, like what we do, you like all this co- comics content we give you, um, head over to ifanboy.com forward slash donations. It's where you can help out the cause of ifanboy. You can make a donation in any denomination you like. Um, we've set up some ones that we suggest, the suggested donation, the price of a comic book. Come on, three bucks. Uh, throw it our way. That helps us uh, stay in business, and we really appreciate the support everybody's provided. So uh, thank you to everyone. That's ifanboy.com forward slash uh, donations. Wow, we did it. Wow. I feel like I'm in a cage of some sort. I know, yeah. a vis- I have, virtual cage. I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you look like it. It's weird to watch you while we do this and see that you look like you're, you're a hobo. This is hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm a 21st century hobo. That's what I am. <laughs> like I, I really, I'm, I'm like looking behind you for the bindle stick. <laughs> there's, there's nothing funnier than a bindle stick to me, by the way. Yeah, yeah a bindle stick with a laptop in it. So. <laughs> All right. Don't hit that. 
<laughs> All right. And a router. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. My sweet untouched Miranda. And while the seagulls are crying, we fall, but our souls are flying in our my love, my love. And oh, my love, my love. And oh, my love, oh, my love. And oh, my love, my love. We both go down.